Chapter 6. What does the trauma mean in trauma-informed? In this section, I will describe what is meant by the word trauma. I use that word because it is the term most often used in fields such as education, research, and healthcare. When I use the term trauma, it includes childhood adversity. But it is also important to know that trauma can also happen when someone is an adult and can still have negative effects. What makes something traumatic? The definition of trauma below is from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A, is a government organization that gives out funding and provides training. They define trauma in this way. Individual trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening, and that has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. A majority of us across the United States who teach about trauma use language from SAMHSA and refer to the three E's, events, experience, and effects. Events. There are many types of events that can be considered adverse or traumatic or extremely stressful, as you can see in the graphic below. These can include physical danger, such as sexual or physical abuse, bullying, or even terrorism or war. Loss can be traumatic. Obviously, losing someone who dies, especially if they are a very close relation, can be traumatic. But so can loss of a relationship, as in divorce or other romantic breakup loss of a pet, or loss of a home or property from a natural disaster or accident. Any of these may be a one-time event or may happen over time and be ongoing. Chronic stressors are ongoing by definition. I'm not speaking of daily hassles like traffic on the way to work or having the wrong kind of artificial sweetener for your coffee. I'm talking about things like living in a dangerous neighborhood, or having such a low income that there's always a looming fear of losing your home. Chronic stress can include growing up in a home where a parent or parents misuse substances, or even parents who are emotionally or physically unavailable to the child. Feeling that you are a member of a group of people who are looked down on can also be a source of chronic stress. People may feel that they are a disadvantage or that they are more critically judged because of their race, sexual lifestyle, family characteristics, and so forth. This, just as any of the other stressors, can lead to health problems. Finally, witnessing other people's traumatic events or hearing someone talk about such events can cause you to have some of the same reactions as if you had experienced these stressors yourself. This is called vicarious trauma or secondary trauma. What does scripture say about events that are seen as adverse or traumatic? It seems simplest to try to categorize traumatic events as bad things being done by a bad person to an innocent victim. It is almost never that simple. A person who causes trauma to others is often committing sin. If someone is physically or sexually abusing another person, neglecting a child because of substance use or some other reason, or participating in sexual relationships prohibited biblically, these are sinful, and people are responsible for their sin. 
Salvation and repentance are needed, but you should use your new lens even when viewing the person causing the trauma. Remember, earlier in this book, I told you I wanted to give you a new lens to wear as you look at people. That lens includes an understanding that early adversity can change brain development, and often people are just attempting to cope or survive. How they attempt to cope or survive may be harmful to themselves or harmful to others, and may be sinful. As you look at the events listed as traumatic, I hope that you see that even the person causing the trauma may be acting from survival mode because of their own past trauma. This doesn't excuse the behavior, but may help to explain it. Just telling a person to stop and repent is likely to be unsuccessful, although repentance will ultimately be needed. Helping them to find better ways to meet their needs or reduce their own stress while walking them lovingly toward the gospel is likely to be far more effective. To make things even more complicated, sometimes sinful behaviors on the part of the person who is being traumatized may cause some of their own trauma. For example, imagine that someone who is addicted to substances uses prostitution as a way to obtain substances. This is quite common then is physically assaulted by a sexual partner. Both people had have committed sinful acts. The person's participation in prostitution is sinful, even though on some level it is understandable. The sexual partner's assault and sexual activity with someone to whom they aren't married are sinful. Looking through your trauma-informed lens allows you to see that both may be in survival mode in doing the best they can to try to solve a problem or meet a need. I am not saying that each person isn't responsible for the causes and consequences of their behavior. They are, just as it is for all of us. Salvation, repentance, and forgiveness are needed, but you need to be thoughtful and seek wisdom about when and how to confront sin and when and how to show love and support. These are not mutually exclusive. Hopefully, stopping sin and meeting needs can be accomplished. Helping people understand better ways to meet their needs or reduce their stress while walking them lovingly toward the gospel and holy living can move people toward flourishing. Finally, some people really do experience traumatic events through no fault of their own. An infant who is neglected or abused is certainly not the cause of their trauma. Someone who loses a parent in war is not the cause of their trauma. The world is broken because of the sinfulness of humankind. The individual does not have anything requiring repentance in such situations, but still may experience all the effects of trauma. Events and their ripple effects may cause long-term effects, such as the brain changes, mental health problems, addictions, and so forth that have already been mentioned. Traumatic experiences may be a reason, but they should not be used as an excuse. What is your responsibility as you try to help reduce the impact of traumatic events? Jesus does not call you to condemn people who are sinning. You are called to correct them in love and restore them. And what I tell you later in this book will give you some practical ways to do just that. John chapter 8 verse 7 says, And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. My brothers, 
If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Experience. It is, it is important to understand that it is not the event itself that causes long-term effects, but it is how the person experiences the event. Two people may experience the same event, and one may be affected deeply while the other may not be affected at all. For example, two children in the same home may have parents who divorce. If one child is three months old and the other child is five years old, they will likely be affected far differently. The five-year-old will have much more extensive relationships with both parents and may have been exposed to arguments and perhaps violence. If that child is close to the parent who moves out, he or she will most likely feel a profound sense of loss. The three-month-old will probably not have memories of life prior to the divorce, and as long as there is a nurturing, safe person caring for him or her, may have no ill effects at all because of the divorce. Timing of Events seriousness of events, whether the event is ongoing or time-limited, and whether there is a support system in place to buffer the impact of that event, all play into how the event is experienced. Remember, it's the toxic stress that causes the greatest effects. As mentioned earlier, the influence of safe, stable, nurturing adults in children's lives can buffer them as they experience adversity. I would like you to watch a video called Chad. It is available on YouTube. Search Changing Minds Chad or by scanning the QR code with a smartphone. It is the story of a fellow named Chad and is an excellent example of two things. First, it shows how one person, in this case a coach, was very important in the life of a child who lived in a trauma-filled household. Perhaps you are or will be such an influence in someone's life. Second, it shows how deeply adults may still be affected by past events. You may not realize what pain many people around you are experiencing that they keep hidden. Hopefully, seeing this video can be a reminder to tread gently with all people, regardless of their outward behavior, their life struggles, and even their sinful choices. Effects. There are many effects that may result from experiencing adversity. I would like to challenge you to see these as logical response to an abnormal situation. Addiction and mental illness may be logical responses to abnormal situations. I do not mean that the behavior is truly logical or best, but I encourage you to try to open-mindedly look at someone's behavior and see how it may make sense to them as they try to survive. For example, Someone overusing substances may be treating the negative memories they have of past trauma by numbing those memories, or replacing anxiety with the calm produced by the substance. In light of some people's history, substance use may make sense to them, and even to those of us who see what pain they experience without the numbing effect of the substance. In the next few pages, I will explain about many of the effects that you will see the result from traumatic traumatic events or ACEs. Later in this book, I will give some possible ways you can respond lovingly and helpfully. Please understand that these are some, but not nearly all, of the effects of trauma. Negative emotions. Negative emotions 
such as fear, anxiety, and depression, are extremely common in people who have experienced traumatic events. Remember when I talked about how the brain is built around survival? That fear response is central to survival, and a person who has experienced ongoing toxic stress may experience feelings of fear or anxiety even when there is no actual threat. Their whole brain was built around dealing with threat at a time when that threat level was real. And such automatic responses have to be unlearned. People will differ in how their emotions are expressed. While one person may tend to be fearful, anxious, or even angry, another may show emotional numbing or not show many emotions at all. Emotions may also shift rapidly. Someone may vacillate between being happy and sad or calm then angry. I am not trying to give a diagnostic checklist of correct emotions, but encouraging you to be curious and open-minded with people, realizing that many emotions could actually be ways of dealing with past extreme stress. All emotionality is not due to past trauma, but at times it may be. Negative thoughts, such as repetitive replaying of a stressful event or being worried about burdening others, are common in people who have experienced trauma. People who have experienced traumatic things may also see the world as unfair, and from their perspective, that is a logical conclusion. They may worry, and that worry may be founded if the threats are still present or unfounded if there are no longer threats. Assuming people are not trustworthy is common. If a child is neglected from an early age, how can they trust adults to care for them? And if a person has been hurt by someone, how can they trust that others will not hurt them? Many people feel guilt and shame. If the person committed the sinful actions that led to some type of trauma, feelings of guilt are understandable. I do not want to downplay those, but often, particularly if someone is the victim of abuse or neglect, they may have had no responsibility for what happened. However, they may still feel guilty or ashamed because someone did something bad to them. That may not seem logical to us, but it is quite common. A child may feel that they caused their parent to beat them because they misbehaved, or a spouse may be convinced that if they acted differently, they would not have been deser deserved to be belittled. There is a specific kind of guilt that is common in many trauma survivors called survivor guilt. This can happen when someone is in a car accident and they survive while others did not. It can also be seen in siblings in an abusive household, when some siblings are treated harshly while others were favored. The favored child may not have experienced the abuse, but they may have ill effects of seeing the unfairness and the grace they experienced. Remember the video about Chad? Chad was overcome with emotion when speaking about how his brother received the brunt of his father's abuse. Behaviors. Effects of trauma can surface in people's behavior. Behavior is the visible evidence of what is going on inside a person's mind. Familiarizing yourself with these so you can recognize trauma-related behaviors is very helpful. The following list includes some of the most common behavioral outcomes of having experienced trauma. Impulsivity. When the survival part of the brain is activated, the thinking or logic part of the brain turns off. 
This can result in behavior that is rapid, reactionary, and not well thought out. Aggression. Do you remember I talked about fight, flight, or freeze reactions? This falls in the fight category. When threatened or stressed, the survival part of the brain may activate the reaction to defend oneself. A situation may not seem to be one that should produce anger or aggression, but the response may be so automatic that the person isn't able to use logic well enough to realize that. Withdrawing, pulling away from people, not substance withdrawal. Withdrawal can represent either the flight or freeze categories of the fight-flight-freeze reaction under stress. Withdrawal could be actually fleeing a situation, conversation, or relationship, which is flight, or could be emotionally withdrawing into a quiet shell, which is freezing. Both are attempts of the traumatized person to reduce the perceived threat. Hypervigilance, being on guard. If someone has experienced trauma, they may be oversensitive to anything that might indicate threat. If the traumatic experience was an isolated event, such as a tornado, the person may only be hypervigilant during stormy weather. However, if the trauma was abuse or neglect from a loved one, the person may be constantly on guard, thinking every facial expression or word is evidence of imminent abandonment or abuse. Conduct Problems When you hear the words conduct problems, you likely think of conduct problems in children such as teasing a classmate or vandalizing private property. However, criminal behavior would fall into this category as well. Misbehavior of many types is often someone's best attempt to fix another problem. Someone may pick on a classmate, so they make people dislike them. This is less painful than the risk of having people dislike you without such a reason. If someone steals, it may be to make sure they have something that they didn't have growing up in poverty. Granted, many, if not most, conduct problems are actually sinful, and most lead to negative outcomes. They are self-defeating, but the actions may have made sense to the person at the time. Poor concentration. People who are in survival mode have difficulty concentrating. They may ask you to repeat yourself or seem not to be grasping what you are saying. Remember, the thinking part of the brain is disengaged when in survival mode. Self-blame. Self-blame is the behavior that often goes along with guilt, but is outwardly identifiable. People may blame themselves because they grew up being blamed for things. They may also blame themselves so that others will reassure them that they are not to blame, which helps relive, relieve some of their self-imposed guilt. Blaming others. Often, people who have experienced trauma blame others. This could be because they feel so much guilt or shame that they want to turn the spotlight on someone else to help them relieve those feelings. It could also be a learned behavior. An abusive parent may blame the other person to justify their abuse. Gaslighting would fall into this area. Gaslighting is a type of psychological manipulation that causes another person to doubt what they know to be true and is a way to shift blame away from oneself. This is very common in the person who is being abusive but also occurs in substance users and others who may have been victims of abuse. Self-harm. Self-harm, such as cutting or burning, is often a result of trauma. It seems illogical to think that someone who has been hurt would continue hurting themselves, but on some level it makes sense. 
Self-harm is controlled by the person's doing the harming. Unlike previous trauma, the person can choose when the pain starts and stops and seems to help them feel some relief. It is awful to think that inflicted pain is the best solution someone has for their distress. Being controlling. Often, people who have experienced trauma tend to be controlling. This may be because they have been in situations in which they had no control, and so to feel somewhat safe, they try to take control. None of us have control in every situation, and this can cause distress for someone who feels the need to be in control. In a school setting, a student who wrestles with a teacher or administrator for control may be in trouble often. An employee who is controlling may lose a job. Marriages, in which one spouse constantly tries to control the other, are often unhappy and short-lived. Substance use. I will talk briefly about substance use here, but Uplift Appalachia has other materials which go much more in-depth about walking with people with problematic substance use. When I talk about fight, flight, or freeze, use of substances is one of the most common ways to flee. Often, people who overuse substances say, I am just trying to turn off my mind. Substances are effective for changing how someone feels, changing their thoughts, slowing their thoughts, and, at the extreme, shutting off thoughts altogether. Restlessness. Restlessness is a behavior, but it is a behavior that may be evidence of many of the emotions, thoughts, or behaviors described above. If someone is anxious or worried, they may appear restless. If they are on guard, they may appear restless. If they are using certain substances, stimulants, or are in withdrawal from other substances, narcotics, they may be restless. Learning difficulties. Remember that when someone's survival mechanism is triggered, they function out of the survival part of their brain, that lower part of the brain that is activated under stress. The logical, thinking, emotionally controlled part of their brain is disengaged. This means that it is difficult for them to think logically or store memories. It is difficult for them to study for or pass a test. Also, impulsivity and difficulty concentrating reduce the ability to pay attention in class and learn. Remember the graphic earlier in this book that showed how ACEs lead to low education levels and that can lead to poverty and poor health? These learning difficulties contribute to that later poor health. Physical symptoms. There are many physical symptoms that can be the result of past trauma. Obviously, if someone has been physically injured, there may be physical evidence, such as scars or lasting disabilities. Some physical symptoms are more difficult to see. You may recognize some of these symptoms as your own, body own body's responses to stress. Some of the most common symptoms are sleeping too much or too little, or eating too much or too little. These can be signs of physical diseases, but can also indicate depression and may be caused by past tr trauma. Stomach aches, headaches, and even susceptibility to illness may be signs of past trauma. Remember, the original ACE study found that many physical conditions were common in people with past adversity. This is probably related to a combination of some things listed above, such as problematic substance use, risky health behaviors, and poverty due to low education levels, but also may be directly related to physical responses to stress. Those physical responses include increases in stress hormones and 
all the many body functions that are influenced by stress.